Welcome to the Bioethics Podcast, a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. I'm Matthew Epinet, Interim Director of the Center. This edition of the Bioethics Podcast features an article from our Intersections Forum, an initiative of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity for reflection on various issues from the arena of bioethics, but not in the formal language of academic bioethics, in the language of theology and church ministry. Intersections appears on our Everyday Bioethics website, everydaybioethics.org, one of a number of websites CBHD hosts and manages in order to make the issues and ethics of bioethics accessible to as many people as possible, everydaybioethics.org. The article for this edition of the Bioethics Podcast is entitled Plagues, Parables, and Pundits, A Lesson from Church History, and it was written by Michael Cox. At the time of the article's publication in 2017, Cox was the inaugural Robert D. Orr Fellow at CBHD. Dr. Cox is currently Assistant Professor of Theology at LCC International University in Lithuania. The reader for this article is CBHD Events and Executive Services Manager Brian Just. Here is Plagues, Parables, and Pundits, A Lesson from Church History, an article that takes on a new relevance in the midst of the novel coronavirus pandemic. And one final note of introduction, the piece opens with a quote from History of the Peloponnesian War. Terrible, too, was the sight of people dying like sheep through having caught the disease as a result of nursing others. This indeed caused more deaths than anything else. For when people were afraid to visit the sick, then they died with no one to look after them. The bodies of the dying were heaped one on top of the other, and half-dead creatures could be seen staggering about in the streets or flocking around the fountains in their desire for water. Thus Thucydides, circa 431 BC, paints a vivid, if morbid, picture of a plague in the classical world. This situation did not change for another seven centuries. We can learn much from what and who brought the change. Around 250 AD, a plague spread throughout the Roman Empire. It lasted for 15 or 20 years, spreading from Ethiopia to Scotland and killing off large percentages of the population. It is estimated that somewhere between a quarter and a third of Rome's population died. One source suggests that, at the peak, 5,000 people died every day in the city. In Alexandria, over half of the population died. Gregory of Nyssa, commenting on the plague, says, quote, More died than survived, and not enough people were left to bury the dead. End quote. Christians responded, and it cost many their lives. According to Dionysius, Eusebius, a church father and historian, tells us, quote, The Christians undertook the burial of the dead, a task that the pagans refused for fear of contagion. End quote. Eusebius notes of the Christians, quote, Some continued without rest to tend the dying and bury them. The number was immense, and there was no one to see to them, end quote. These risky acts of benevolence distinguished the Christians. Gary Ferngren writes, quote, The Christian churches had become so identified with the burial of the dead by the 4th century that Constantine inaugurated free burial services under the direction of the clergy, end quote. In Carthage, people responded similarly, deserting the dead and dying, such that, quote, the streets were filled with corpses, which people were afraid to touch, end quote. And, although Christians were blamed for the plague, 
Cyprian, the Bishop of Carthage, urged Christians, quote, to aid their persecutors and to undertake the systematic care of the sick throughout the whole city, end quote. Appealing to the rich for funds and the poor for service, quote, he urged that no distinction be made in ministering to both Christians and pagans, end quote. The Christians responded to his call to serve persecutor and sufferer, and it cost many their lives. Their response was so compelling that the plague came to bear the name of their bishop, the Cyprian Plague. In the face of devastating plague and persecution, in cities where the dying were abandoned and corpses filled the streets, Christians responded with compassion and sacrificial love. In Eusebius's words, quote, The most of our brethren were unsparing in their exceeding love and brotherly kindness. They held fast to each other and visited the sick fearlessly and ministered to them continually, serving them in Christ. And they died with them most joyfully, taking the affliction of others and drawing the sickness from their neighbors to themselves and willingly receiving their pains. And many who cared for the sick and gave strength to others died themselves, having transferred to themselves their death. And they took the bodies of the saints in their open hands and in their bosoms, and closed their eyes and their mouths, and they bore them away on their shoulders and laid them out, and they clung to them and embraced them, and they prepared them suitably with washings and garments. And after a little they received like treatment themselves, for the survivors were continually following those who had gone before them. In short, these Christians played the part of the faithful neighbor who went and did likewise. Luke 10, 37. The story of the Cyprian plague challenges my perspective of our own healthcare conversation. Too frequently, Christians in the West engage questions about medicine and healthcare from within our particular political binary, conservative or liberal. Our pundits endlessly debate the questions, who should have access to medical care? How should they get it? And, most of all, who should pay for it? Might Christians have more to say than our polarized political discourse allows? Our ancient brothers and sisters would answer with a strong yes. The ancients did not have a scientific understanding of such plagues, but they were not dummies. They knew that extending care to or handling corpses of those who had succumbed to the plague frequently led to contraction of the plague. Our ancient brothers and sisters' political discourse debated a response to such plagues. What is a city, village, or family to do when large percentages of the population succumb to such a plague? Scientific and medical knowledge such that it was, the common response was to abandon the dead and dying in order to avoid contagion. But these Christians reframed the discourse with a different question, a question asked by Jesus some 300 years earlier. Quote, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man? End quote. Jesus asked a law teacher this question as a conclusion to a hypothetical story of the Samaritan who, at much personal expense, stopped to help the man left for dead. And, in case the law teacher missed the not-so-subtle implication, Jesus sends him on his way with a simple command, Go and do likewise. Our public discourse requires only opinion, but Jesus demands action. Our public discourse requires only talking heads, but Jesus expects busy hands and feet. The abstraction of our discourse leaves too much space on the other side of the road where we can pass by, blind to whomever is left for dead. But Jesus' narrow road of go and do likewise squeezes passers-by close to the sufferer. Jesus' road leaves no space for pretending not to see, 
No space for the cost avoidance strategies. No space for talking heads without walking feet. Gary Ferngren connects the Alexandrian Christians' response to the Cyprian plague with the formation of a group who were entrusted with the care of the sick. They were known as, quote, reckless ones, so called from the courage with which they risked their lives in aiding the sick, end quote. I find inspiration from these stories of brothers and sisters who heard Jesus' question and heeded his command. They did not consider personal cost, but answered by throwing themselves into the plague. They welcomed any who had been abandoned by their family with Jesus' neighbor love. They offered this love to brother and persecutor without distinction. They understood the high risk involved, but still they recklessly abandoned their own lives in answer to the question, who was the neighbor? In spending their lives so recklessly, these brothers and sisters remind me that Jesus' question is a political one, but one with an answer that subverts the passivity of political debate and demands the same active, selfless love that cost our king his life. And so I wonder, how might our churches care for and celebrate those among us who are medical professionals? How might we frame their work as kingdom work from our pulpits? How might our pastors and youth ministers inspire the next generation of Christians to enter the medical fields as servants like Christ? How might the rest of us take up the call to recklessly love the lonely in nursing homes or abandoned children? And how might our generous impulses be expressed through financial care for those in need? After all, a Christian's most profound political statement is in going and doing likewise by drawing near and offering care. It is in extending neighbor love with reckless abandon that we undo the powers that would prefer the easier path of abandoning those in need. That was Plagues, Parables, and Pundits, a lesson from church history by Michael Cox. This article appears on our Intersections Forum at the website everydaybioethics.org and was read for us by Brian Just. You've been listening to the Bioethics Podcast, a project of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity, copyright 2020, all rights reserved. The Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity is a Christian bioethics research center at Trinity International University, exploring the nexus of biomedicine, biotechnology, and our common humanity. Our website, cbhd.org, has a wealth of materials on a wide range of bioethical issues. For more information about the Center, and to support the work of the Center and projects like this podcast, please visit our website, cbhd.org. All post-production for the Bioethics Podcast is done by CBHD Communications and Marketing Manager, Annalise Troll. My name is Matthew Epinet, and I am the Interim Director of the Center for Bioethics and Human Dignity. Thank you for listening to the Bioethics Podcast. Bioethics Podcast.